Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. We continue our journey exploring the idea of property cycles and today we have a final look at the development of our personal property portfolio. It was Heraclitus, the ancient Greek philosopher who said, the only thing that is constant is change. And he said this around the year 500 BC. However, I reckon if he was around today, I doubt very much whether he'd have much reason to change his point of view. Today then, more than ever, we are faced with change. And so we really do need to be ready for that and to respond accordingly. Today's show then is all about the changes that can come about in our lives and in our environment, including from the delightful Chancellor of the Exchequer and with a view to dealing with these in an effective way. Now I'm joined on today's show by Tony Gimple, who is a specialist estate planner and advisor. And he takes us through some of the issues that we need to be aware of in terms of structuring our affairs correctly. And you'll notice that we reference the summer budget in our conversation, but equally it could easily have been the autumn statement. It matters not, as we shall see from Tony's insights that change is to be expected And so we need a flexible approach to our plans and a structure that can insulate us from some of the changes that we will inevitably face. So let's get on with the show and start with our conversation with Tony before we pick things up again in a few minutes. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. So uh, I guess, you know, Tony, I have to ask you the question, um, the budget, and uh, should we be concerned about George Osborne's um, recently announced changes? Uh, is there a big drama that we need to be careful about? No, is the short answer. You know, governments of all persuasions will always tinker with tax policy as a way of uh, raising revenue um, you know, for their own aims, um, either to reduce deficits or to increase public spending. And this is just another example of where policy has perhaps been over generous and it's just being tightened up. These are regular occurrences. Uh, At best, they're a storm in the teacup. Sounds like like you're pretty calm about the subject. (laughs) I am, yeah. This whole thing of, of tax people get overly concerned uh, about taxation. Well, you should only be really concerned if you're earning it, and if you're earning it, where's the problem? I agree with that sentiment entirely, actually. I would say if you're paying tax, it's a good sign. But but one of the specific implications, of course, with the mortgage interest relief uh, changes could could mean that people end up paying tax on what is effectively not a tax, uh, so on a net profit. Um, because of the way it's uh, structured, whether that is how it's implemented remains to be seen, of course. Yeah, no, I, 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 I can understand that perspective, but that leads on to you know, a wider question of whether one is an accidental landlord 
or whether one is looking at uh, being a professional landlord and running this as a business. Uh, yeah, music to my ears, Tony. Music to my ears. So, uh, but just conscious of the time, I just kind of moving on. We we talk about tax. We talk about taxation yeah. roundabout. There's yeah. you get taxed on the way in, tax during, tax on the way on the way out again. Obviously, yeah. with all the various forms of tax. And um, I guess you know, just to kind of bring it full circle, I, I know I've read some documentation of yours um, on how to own investment property. Yeah. Would you talk us through perhaps some of the the various options in particular in terms of ownership structures that you referred to there. Okay. Look, broadly, there are three ways you can own property. Uh, um, as an individual, um, either uh, as what are called joint tenants or tenants in common, i.e. where you know, people own the property equally between them or in shares. Uh, another way of doing it is via a trust structure, which can be horribly com complex and not terribly efficient for, um, for tax purposes. Or, in the majority of cases, the best way is owning the property via a limited company. And so um, there's, there's, there's a trade-off, isn't there, with yeah. all of these structures? And, you know, for example, I noticed that you talk about different types of limited company ownership. Yeah. And there are different types of trusts and yeah. you can use things like gifting in different ways. So th yeah. there is a degree of complexity um, that comes about. And I guess that's why people like you exist, isn't it? <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Well, this is really, really is a, a, an excellent example of the devil being in the detail. Yeah. But at the same time, um, somebody once said that progress is man's ability to complicate simplicity. Yeah. And you know, tax is all well and good, but you mustn't let the tax tail wag the planning dog. Absolutely. In, yeah, in, in, in other words, if you're an existing landlord or thinking of becoming one, the best place to start is where you want to finish, i.e., why am I doing this? What am I trying to achieve? Yep. And that's where the structure is very important. Let me give you an example. If you and I buy property in our own name, the fact of the matter is we are going to die. If anybody's not, please let me know. I'd love to be <laughs> their agent, and my usual terms and conditions will apply. Right? <laughs> um, and that in itself is a huge problem, because when we die as individuals, whilst capital gains tax will disappear, mm -hmm. there'll be 40% inheritance tax to pay instead. Mm -hmm. And that is you know, massive. I mean, let me give you an example. You know, one of my larger clients over the last 25 years, built up a portfolio of personally owned property, now worth somewhere in the region of £18 million with no mortgage. That's so they've brilliant. done the right thing, you'd say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Husband and wife bought it, he died, everything passed to her because they were joint tenants. They each owned the same 100%. Trouble is, she's now in her 80s, health is failing, the children are facing an inheritance tax bill north of £7 million. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. 
seven million on an eighteen million portfolio value. Yeah. Net yeah. portfolio. Yeah, net portfolio. So they're going to have to either take one humongous bridging loan, because inheritance tax has to be paid within 90 days of death and before probate is granted, uh, or they're going to have to sell half of the portfolio just to pay the tax bill. On a full sale basis as well, yeah. Of course. Uh, the market yeah. conditions could be against them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Whereas... Had those properties been owned by a company, companies, as long as they remain solvent, are immortal. They live forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As long as your, 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 your company is solvent, you can keep those properties you know, pretty much forever and a day. Yeah, and I presume in that case, you, the, there's a mechanism to passing down ownership, which you know is part of your repertoire, I guess. Yes, yes, but but you're not talking about the ownership of the properties, you're talking about no. the ownership of the shares in the company. Correct. Because it's the company that owns the asset. Yeah, so your your property ownership is in the, in this immortal vehicle to use your phrase. Yeah. Uh, and then you merely pass the, uh, the 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 ownership papers of the vehicle That's down good. to whoever you want to yeah. give it to. And subject yeah. to Subject to a bit of uh, detail and planning, etc. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. But there are disadvantages to that. In that, you know, getting commercial lending facilities uh, tends to restrict the loan to value. Mm-hmm. You know, 60, 65% tops. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the interest rates will be that much higher because it's yeah. commercial. This is, this is one of the things I kind of wanted to highlight really is there are, there are constant trade offs, you know, um, all the way. Uh, and people, and in fact, some of the trade offs may, may tempt people to put this off. Yeah. Um, you know, you're talking about, for example, a, a, someone in their 80s who's facing the inevitable, um, yeah. but someone in their 20s, you know, they, they won't presumably picture this. You know, they, they think they're immortal, probably. Um, yeah. They'll certainly yeah. think about it. And of course, it, you know, Amy Winehouse died at 27. You know, it doesn't mean you have to wait. You know, we, all, we all have to wait till we're 80. It can happen at any point. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but I think it's this the idea of trade offs, isn't it? And, um, you may be feeling some short-term pain instead of the longer-term uh, pain. Indeed. But by the same token, to get started, commercial facilities may not be available. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So sometimes you, know, you, you, you have to start one way and over time migrate. You know, well, so you draw, a line, you draw a line under where you are now and say, okay, look, we are where we are. But anything new from this point on, we're going to do a different way. Well, I'm glad you said that because, you know, I don't think anybody walks into uh, owning property, not many people anyway, with a perfect structure in place for the the future plans when they're 80 and they've got grandchildren or whatever. So, you know, inevitably they they kind of walk into it and then they start thinking about it. Things take off and grow and and the numbers get more significant and substantial. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I appreciate what you said about having some flexibility. Yeah. Um, and again, what's right today may not be right tomorrow. You know, this is a movable feast. Yeah. Uh, and one of the key parts of the process is to regularly review where am I now? Do I still want to achieve what I set out to achieve? What do I now need to do in order to either maintain the status quo or grow or shrink or whatever else I need to do? 
Yeah. And again, talking about the whole life cycle uh, or property life cycle, that makes perfect sense. And I guess if you started at one end of the conveyor belt as a complete newbie, whether that's as an accidental or a professional landlord just buying yeah. your first property or two, yeah. um, what you say makes perfect sense. And I guess the, 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 the mantra is get good advice and, and take regular advice. Um, yeah. But I guess um, there will be people listening to this uh, who they're further down the track. Uh, they're either, yeah. you know, got half a dozen, even, you know, double digit portfolio. So they're not necessarily super landlords, but they're, they're in yeah. a reasonable position. Yeah. And I guess that then after that, there's going to be people who are these mega landlords. You know, what, what about them? Is there hope if they uh, perhaps haven't taken advice? Well, of course. You know, the, you know the, 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 the thing that people have got to accept uh, is that they don't know what they don't know. Yeah. Ignorance is bliss, eh? Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, until it isn't. Uh, <laughs> until yeah. reality bites. <laughs> yeah, but then they're also faced with other problems in that there are very few either law firms or accountancy firms you know, who really understand this. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll give you a classic example. I was at a major property investment show a couple of months back, big firm of accountants there, and I asked them, tell me, do you give your clients proactive advice? To which they replied, only if they ask. <laughs> well, how the hell did they know they needed to ask in the first place? <laughs> yeah. It's re reactive, proactive advice. <laughs> exactly. But um, I think you make a good point because um, surely, if I'm right in thinking, a lot of what you do is related to legal issues, isn't it? Um, it's not yeah. just accounting, you know, counting beans or putting things in different buckets, as I like to call it. It's it's, it's more of a legal issue, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. You know, our remit, and we always work as part of an advice collective, mm -hmm. you know, either with the uh, clients, existing advisors, or help them find the right one. But our specific role is to help the client put in place the legal framework, starting from the best way to own it, all the way through to what's going to happen when I fall off my perch, so it gets passed on, and in between, how do I remain in control of it? Mm. And for that, you're talking about a company formation, bespoke memorandum and articles of association, a will, a power of attorney, or trusts. Yeah, and I think, you know, that, that's the point. A lot of that, that terminology can probably frighten people, but that's your specialism, isn't it? And, uh, and people like you um, put together those structures. Uh, yes. And I guess, am I right in thinking that the, the big sort of takeaway here is, you know, and it's obviously subject to individual circumstances, but is our companies primarily the way to go? <laughs> Look, I, I, I hate giving generalized answers you know, for pretty obvious reasons because you know no one size fits all yeah however yeah, um, the, generally speaking the best way of going is via a limited company well it is a number of companies you'd have what's called a special purpose vehicle SPV mm -hmm. an investment company which owns the property mm -hmm. you then have um, a property management company mm -hmm. which runs the properties mm -hmm. uh, 
And then from that, you probably have a personal management company uh, to reduce any personal taxation. And I guess you could have, if you were also trading property, could that be separate? Ah, no, if you're trading property, that, that that's a whole different ball game. <laughs> okay. Right, yeah. Because well. if, if you're trading property, yeah, you're running what's called a trading company. Yeah. And that's no different from WH Smith or Boots or Amazon. Uh, you know, so instead of selling books or medicine, you've just got bricks and mortar instead. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there's very little special you have to do other than making sure you've got wills, you've got a shareholders agreement, powers of attorney, and so on. Yeah. But if you're running what's called an investment company, which has got, say, residential buy-to-let, that's where you get the tax planning uh, complexities come into play. Because trading businesses are free of inheritance tax. Investment companies are not. Well, there's a nice nugget. I wasn't actually aware of that distinction. So, uh, there you go. Um, thank you for that. And I'm sure our, is, our is, listeners are as well. Well, I'm also conscious that, um, you know, we, we won't necessarily uh, pick your brains too much on, 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 this, on this podcast, but uh, really do appreciate your insights. I guess... Um, you know, before we draw to a close, the other question I really have in mind is uh, uh, why, why should anybody bother to do anything now? It's probably a very obvious leading question. <laughs> uh, sorry, what would you mean? Somebody who's already got a portfolio, do something else? or Well, probably either. You know, so I guess someone who's just starting out, you know, and somebody who's perhaps a little bit far down the track is, uh, you know, when's the right time to do something? Now, <laughs> now is always, <laughs> well, I said the right time to do something. Now is always the right time to step back, you know, stop for a second and say, do I really understand all of the complexities uh, and is it worth spending a little bit of time speaking with the right specialists just to make sure I am where I actually think I am? Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I do with a lot of property owners and it's a bit like that old joke where you go on holiday, you know, to a rural area, get lost, you know, ask somebody for directions, and he says, well, I wouldn't start from here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and unfortunately, that's pretty true across the board, but you are where you are, and it may not be the possible or desirable to do something else. It may be the best solution for simplicity's sake and everything else, Leave it as it is, and we'll worry about the problems, or let somebody else worry about the problems later. I mean, to your point, if someone's a property trader, you know, you've just kind of made the point. It's quite straightforward, really. It so, is quite straightforward. Yeah. But for property traders, particularly if they're in business with others, the key factor is having a shareholder agreement. Mm -hmm. Why? Because how does a deceased shareholder's family? crystallize the value that equity represents. Yep. And especially if they're a minority shareholder and being paid by dividends, you know, suddenly they're falling off their perch. Remaining shareholder says, why am I paying their family dividends? Let's change the dividend policy. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, in fact, then whether it's an investment company or a trading company, you know, buy to let or buy to sell, the shareholder agreement is one of the key 
structural documents you need to have in place. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah. and uh, off-the-shelf companies will not have a memorandum and articles of association, are the rules under which the company operates, which cover those points. Yeah, I've seen that. Um, in fact, that's quite a nice link, to be honest, because uh, I am aware of, uh, you know, you, you, you've got a document that uh, you put together, which I, I've read through, and it's been very helpful for me, uh, certainly in preparing my own affairs, and obviously to talk to you today. But um, have you got anything in particular that you'd like to share with our listeners of The Property Voice? Oh, absolutely. Um, we've produced um, a six-page, very easy-to-read guide on how to own investment property. You know, you know, it sets out, broadly speaking, how much, of what, by when, by whom, and why. And it's aimed at uh, you know, novice landlords and experienced landlords alike. You know, and it will give them all of their options when it comes to uh, owning property. So that's great, a nice guide. Is there uh, anything else on a more commercial basis? Yeah. Um, I'm squeezing you, I'm squeezing you, Tony. Oh, you squeeze me. Like, people always ask me, am I negotiable about our fees? And to which the answer is yes, upwards. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, however, for what we're prepared to do for Property Voice clients, we're very happy to give um, not only a free initial consultation, uh, but also 10% off our normal charges and by the way we don't typically charge by the hour we normally agree a fixed fee for a discrete piece of work so clients know at outset what they're letting themselves in for no nasty hidden extras well thank you for that i really appreciate that and i'm sure i'm sure our, our listeners are going to value that as well and uh, i've certainly really enjoyed talking to you and listening to you and, and reading the document that you referred to so that's just to clarify that's a uh, uh, how to own investment property guide that uh, Tony's uh, making available, and um, let's just say we—if you quote the property voice when uh, yeah. you make make contact with Tony, perhaps you'd like to tell us how best to reach you, Tony. Yep, um, you, you can either reach me via email, which is Tony dot Gimple G I M P L E at planned hyphen succession dot com. Uh, or uh, at the telephone 07974-099-221. And please don't forget to mention the property voice. Absolutely. Well, thanks for that. And I'll, I'll put uh, links with those contact details in our show notes on our website in any case so it that uh, people don't have to remember while they're driving or something. <laughs> um, they can go and visit later on. But I think, you know, just just remains to be said from my point of view, Tony, I really appreciate your time and your insights. And it's good to have, uh, you know, genuine subject matter expert on the, on the uh, podcast. And thanks very much for one sharing today and obviously the offers that you've uh, kindly um, made available to our listeners going forward. And thank you very much for the opportunity. You're more than welcome. Thanks, Tony. So as we heard from that discussion, Tony understands that changes are not only um, inevitable, but also to be expected and therefore planned for. And by this he means considering what our longer term aims are at the outset, or soon after, soon after the outset then. 
And of course then we need to make plans to ensure that we get there relatively unscathed. However, he also spoke of the need to be flexible as well. And it's this idea of flexibility that I wanted to spend a couple of minutes discussing now. When we look at property investment, we often have a general aim or specific purpose in mind. It could be to plug a hole in our pension, for example, which is why I initially got started in property. It could be to supplement or replace our income, or to leave an inheritance or legacy for people or good causes that we care about. It could also be to lead a lifestyle of freedom of choice, location and the shackles of answering to someone else all of the time. Now, personally speaking, I've managed to work through pretty much all of these different reasons to invest in property as time has progressed. And that is a key point, really, as time has progressed and things have changed. Initially, I had a very specific aim. I was informed by a financial advisor around nine years ago that I would need to put aside an eye-watering sum, for me at the time at least, of £800 a month into a pension scheme for a period of around 20 years if I wanted to have a pension fund of less than what I was currently earning at the time. In fact, it was around about two-thirds of what I was earning at the time. Now, I didn't have a spare £800 a month lying around, even if I wanted to follow this route. So I did a bit of number crunching, and I determined that if I had a tenant in a property paying a rental of £800 a month, which could be used to repay the mortgage on that property over the next 20 years, that at the end of that time, I'd have an asset equivalent to a pension fund and an income stream from the rental income that was effectively paid for by other people. Of course, the tenant and the mortgage lender. Sure, I needed the starting funds to get the ball rolling. However, I figured that if I did save that £800 a month for a few years, then it would be at some stage, sorry, rather, it would at some stage grow into being big enough to fund the deposit on that property. That's what I did then, and so pretty much with my, my very first investment property purchase, bought a couple of years after that conversation with the financial advisor, I was able to plug that gap in my pension for good. Now, there's a lot more to that story than this, but in the interest of time, that's the radio edit version at least. One property investment was capable of replacing 20 years of pension contributions by using the concept of leveraging other people's money, specifically the tenant and the lender in this example. Now, given that I'd essentially met my initial goal, albeit that I would have to wait 20 years for it to be fully realised, now what should I do? Well, I started to think, what else could I achieve through property investing? How about a secondary income source, in case my main income were to reduce? I was in full-time employment at the time, and things looked good, but, you know, you never know, do you? How about replacing my income altogether? Or even allowing me to travel and operate from different places around the world? This then became my next quest. It also meant that instead of looking at just long-term single-let properties, that I could potentially vary that a little bit as well. So I began looking at flipping the odd property to generate lumps of cash that I could use either for reinvestment or even to supplement my short-term income. I also began to look at other income strategies such as HMOs and short-term lets as ways of making my investment capital work harder for me in the short term with a higher return on investment. Perhaps I could even replace the family income by doing this, given that I had already plugged the hole in my pension. Once again though, I discovered that by doing these things in a methodical and strategic way, this would also be achieved, and so the attention then shifted once more, and to other aims and ambitions. And this is what led me on to thinking about leaving a legacy, 
not just an inheritance for the children and perhaps their children, but to provide a fund that could support others less well off than I was. And, and that is part of where I am today, striving to build that legacy that could be used for good after I depart this world. Now you will have your own reasons for investing in property, and these may be different to mine perhaps. However, perhaps similarly to me, they could change and evolve over time. With the right approach, application, knowledge and guidance, it's possible to achieve quite a lot through property investment in a relatively short period of time. In which case our attention and our focus will naturally start to shift over time and as our, as our circumstances change as well. Similarly, those in their 20s and possibly 30s say they may be single or in a relationship with no children. Would there be any shame in seeking a better life for yourself or a lifestyle of travel and freedom, of, of not being tied to any single location? It's no different to getting an ed education and then following a career um, at the core, is it? But the difference is by using leverage, we may be able to truncate a traditional working career over 40 years into a fraction of the time. Perhaps later in life, if children are on the scene, maybe schooling and stability could play a greater part in our thought process instead. Here we may seek secure investments with little or limited time investment on our part, but with the potential to bridge some of the extra costs involved in bringing up a child. Now I read recently that the, it's estimated that bringing up a child will cost something of the order of £250,000 for each one. And that's I believe that was them going through state education as well. Is it wrong to want to provide a better way of life for our families? Of course not. However, it may mean a different emphasis at this stage in our life. Yet later on, we may be faced with a lack of employment opportunities, or even redundancy, forced retirement, or an incapacity to work for some other reason. And so an alternative, you know, may be to supplement our income, and that might come, you know, top of mind instead, and very, very handy should, should those circumstances ever arise. I guess finally, in our golden years, as they say, a comfortable retirement, and possibly thoughts of leaving behind something for the people or causes we care about may take on a greater focus for us. The point is, our focus will naturally change as we progress through our own personal cycle, the circle of life, to coin a phrase. Equally, you may recall from a couple of weeks back when I spoke with David Clouter, we explored the idea of risk, and we talked about both our attitude to and appetite for risk in that episode. It could be said then that our attitude to and appetite for risk could change over time due to our changing circumstances and responsibilities and commitments. We may be able to tolerate a lot more risk if we're young, free and single, rather than say someone who is the sole breadwinner of a young dependent family. Or again, if we're approaching retirement and we're seeking you know, a lot more stability and uh, security of income. I, of course, am only skimming the surface here today, but I'm sure you get the idea. Here's the conclusion though, where we start is not necessarily where we end up, and that's perfectly okay. <laughs> However, whilst recognising that things will inevitably change along the way, we need to start somewhere. And this is why I usually advise new investors to focus on one or at most two property strategies when they start. It is, however, essential that these strategies are in alignment with our goals and our purpose and are equally consistent with both our risk attitude and our risk appetite. 
It's also helpful if we can structure our affairs and build in some flexibility to adapt to the changes that will inevitably happen along life's course. The resulting plan could be different for each of us, therefore. There is no one-size-fits-all here. And I guess this brings me full circle to the conversation I had with Tony Gimple earlier. It is possible to structure our, our affairs and to plan and adapt for change, whilst achieving our initial and changing aims and objectives. We may not need to invest in heavy professional advice to begin with, However, it would be wise to at least educate ourselves on some of the implications of how we are doing things and how these could affect us over time, rather than things creep up on us later on and catches out. So for example, if we're investing for a pension replacement, what are the tax implications, operational costs and time and inputs in managing an investment property versus a pension fund, say? These are just some among a range of different factors that we need to consider depending on where we, where we want to end up. Now I can personally attest to the fact that things can change and evolve quite quickly as a professional property investor. And so gaining this knowledge helps, us, helps to protect us from the shocks that can come, crop up from time to time. Such as those from our dear friend George Osborne recently. And equally there will be times when we should definitely seek out professional advice as many aspects of wealth, tax and estate planning are complex areas that draw together legal, tax, accounting and other specialist areas. And if I'm totally honest with you, I used to try and find out all of this information myself without always seeking professional advice. Tut, 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 I can hear some people saying. Now sometimes this worked and other times not. Now I see the value in seeking out professional advice. Although I always retain the responsibility to understand what I'm getting involved with and I always undertake my own research and due diligence as I do. I guess this is something of a life lesson rather for me if I'm being totally candid with you. Before closing today then, if you want to get hold of the investment property guide document that Tony referred to and that I also read and found quite, quite useful, then you can either contact Tony direct, mentioning the property voice, or alternatively, drop me an email, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net, and I'll make sure you get, your, you get a copy. Now, this brings the portfolio cycle aspect of this segment in the series of uh, property cycles series to a, to a close then. Next time, we shall take a look at the third segment in the three that we'll cover in this series, namely the individual investment property life cycle. But let's leave it here for this week, and then we can pick up the next segment next time instead. And given the uh, inclusion of my discussion with Tony's, uh, with Tony this week, sorry, we'll have uh, no your voice or shout out this week's show either. So we'll, we'll defer that till next time as well. However, if there's anything you want to say or contribute to the show, then by all means do get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. Drop me an email personally, podcast at propertyvoice.net. And if today's theme has piqued your interest at all, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Meanwhile, the show notes, as ever, will be over at the website, thepropertyvoice.net. Thank you very much for listening again this week and until next time on the Property Voice Podcast, it's ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice Podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.